Hey, everybody. Let me, uh, let me open up first with a word of prayer. Father, we humbly come before you tonight, Lord, and we thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for uh, Celebrate Recovery. This ministry is um, one of the best that I've ever heard of, Lord. It uh, changes lives, makes leaders of people, and let tonight, Lord, be all about you, the story that you've created here in me, and um, just we uh, praise you, Father. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So... My name is Randall. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I'm in recovery for codependency, anger, sex addiction, and chemical addiction. <clears throat> um, first, um, let me let me take. I want to take full responsibility for my actions. So, my dad was in the Navy and stationed in Bermuda, which is where I was born. Shortly thereafter, we moved to California. Oh, this thing doesn't turn. Oh, there we go, light. <clears throat> we moved to California where I have my first memories as a child. I was around three years old and I would stand on the couch and wait for my dad to come home. We had this huge window and I would just wait there for, this, for my dad to come home right there. <clears throat> um, I would start crying because I was so happy when I saw him. I have two siblings, an older sister and a younger brother. Yes, I'm the middle child. My parents stayed married until my mom passed in 2005. We were considered cl middle class and my dad worked hard to bring home what was needed for a comfortable life. We had food and clothes and my mother was a stay-at-home mom, housewife. She cooked, cleaned, and took care of us kids. We were raised with an iron fist. My dad, what my dad said was law. If he told us to clean our room before he came home from work, we did it. If we didn't, we were punished by pushing, hitting, or verbal attacks, whatever he thought it would take to get his point across. If I misbehaved with my mom, she would tell me, wait till your father gets home, and that threat held a lot of power. Often, when I did something wrong, I would get, he would get right in my face and yell and make threatening gestures to make me flinch and, that, and then use that against me. He would often tell me if I got emotional that I better stop crying or he would give me something to cry about. This caused me to believe there was something wrong with my emotions. My brother and I fought often and that was punishable by beatings. All this meant I grew up very afraid of my dad. I knew at a young age what fear was and as I grew older, fear would drive me to take a low profile attitude in life in attempts to fit in. My dad was fun to be around on the weekends when, we, when he had time for us. He would, he would play ball in the front yard or we would ride skateboards with my brother and I down the driveway. We developed a game where we would roll up newspapers and try to knock each other off to see who would fall off their skateboard first. <laughs> I played baseball in PB League but wasn't good enough to go much higher than that because I was born with an affliction called CMT. It's a neurological disease of the nerves. I walked differently than other kids and was usually the skinniest person in class. When we had to dress out for PE back in the day, the shorts we wore were very short. Needless to say, my legs got plenty of stares and laughs. I quickly became the person most harassed, mostly with words, but there were moments that are still clear to this day that were more physical. 
One of the worst was when I was standing around with a group of kids and that they decided it would be fun to hang me on the flagpole by my belt. I was left hanging there humiliated in tears as kids all laughed at me. I never retaliated. I just stuffed my feelings and did my best to avoid them. As my dad pumped fear into me with my peers laughing at me daily, I just stuffed my feelings and emotions as if they didn't exist. But they did, so this meant the fear just kept growing and left me insecure, never allowed me to find much direction or sense of purpose in life. This kept me from the ever this kept me from ever stepping out to take responsibility, so I became more of a follower than a leader. Um, I always felt different than all the other kids. It would take years of recovery before I realized that my fear and low self-worth manifested itself in pride. That then produced a growing anger that became my defense mechanism to pain. When my sister was old enough to babysit us, mom started working. Um, let me see, my sister was old enough to babysit us. My mom started working, my brother was, nine. My brother was seven and I was nine. This gave us a wider freedom that we took full advantage of. We were able to run the neighborhood because my sister would kick us out of the house to clean. I started hanging out with some brothers in the neighborhood and we quickly became best friends. It was, it was their house that, it was at their house when I was 13 that I had my first sexual experience. In my immaturity, I had no ability to handle how great it felt. From that day forward, almost every day, I would try to duplicate that amazing feeling. This led to many other experiences with other girls in the neighborhood. A couple years later, I found a porn magazine under my dad's bed. This instantly took me to a new place. I took them and hid them under the drawer in the bathroom and would get them, as, would get them out as often as I could whenever it seemed right for me to use the bathroom. After dinner became the perfect time. I never tried to escape this growing addiction, so I found myself falling deeper into it as I grew older. At age 15, I started smoking pot. This began my journey into my drug addiction. At 16, I was doing mescaline, acid, crank, whatever else was available on that given day. These drugs would only boost the desire I had to act out my sexual addiction. Soon the two went hand in hand and that was all I was focused on. Where was my next high coming from? And where would I find my next sexual release? At 18, I was arrested for the first time and I lost one of the two jobs I had. At home, my dad laid down the law and decided, I decided to move out into a friend's house. I began a pattern of getting a job but only holding on to it a few months at a time because they always got in the way of my desire to do drugs and party. When I was 18, I was arrested and had four felonies hanging over my head for kidnapping, armed robbery, car theft, and credit card forgery. I now know I did all this simply in my desire to not be different and fit in somewhere. When I look back on this now, I can see that God had his righteous right hand on me, being patient, waiting for me. Second Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not, wait, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I was looking at eight years in prison, but only ended up receiving one year in youth authority. Two years after being released, I did another six months for a credit card. 
because I wouldn't give the police the name of the person who was, was using it. <clears throat> when I was 21, I moved out of Santa Clara and ended up in Modesto, living with a woman I had met in San Jose. I stayed out of trouble with the law, made meth and its closely related sexual addiction my way of life. All this time, I was working at an aluminum plant. <clears throat> I somehow managed to hold that job for 12 years. As my sex addiction deepened, I had the thought of so many sex addicts that if I married my girlfriend, I would find freedom from sex addiction. Of course, I would find out the truth of Proverbs 26:11: As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. I continued the drugs and the sex addiction well into my marriage. It was at this time in my life, my addictions were creating so much yelling and fighting at home that it became that it came to a head. Everything changed when I found out that my wife of 10 years had been cheating on me for two years. This produced a new, greatly increased inner rage that was becoming deeply embedded as my character. But I always denied, but I had always denied, but couldn't any longer and ended up divorced. In 1999, at age 41 years old, I found myself moving to Coulterville without a job, my kids, or my wife. My addiction just kept getting worse, and I spent the next several years doing whatever I wanted. I had two of what I thought were significant relationships, both which ended as the same as my marriage with them cheating on me. My codependency, being jealous and untrusting, produced so much anger that made me very unpleasant to be with, so the relationships fell apart. At this point, being single in my insecurity, desire to fit in, and my need to have others love me led me to people-pleasing, always thinking this trait would produce my desired results. I made it my life's goal to make others happy. I was sure that if I could make them happy through something I did, then they would want me around and love me. This, of course, never worked because it was all still selfishly driven. This only refueled my resentment and anger as I blamed them for not being happy or appreciating me. I'm still learning the hard lesson that true love has no strings attached. Love is not proud, is not rude, is not self-seeking. 1 Corinthians 13.4 In 2005, at the age of 47, a girl and I were getting high and she told me about her dad who had just became an ordained pastor and she invited me to church. I went because I wanted something different. After attending the church for a short time, one day at the end of the service, I gave my life to Christ during an altar call. <laughs> Two years later, I quit doing meth and have never used again. The next year I moved to Modesto and became a recluse, living in complete isolation for almost two years out of the fear of ever becoming involved in drugs again. See, this is the place that I created my life in. In 2009, the Holy Spirit was deepening a longing to end my isolation and find a church. The only person I knew was my next door neighbor. So one day I asked him if he knew of a church. He brought me to Big Valley Grace.
for the next year, <laughs> for the next year, he and his daughter would drive by the house every Tuesday night and honk their horn and yell, hey, we're going to recover, you want to go? I would say, nah, I'm good. <laughs> A year after coming to Big Valley Grace, I finally said yes. And I came to CR for the first time. On the way home that night, I told Mark, those people have issues. <laughs> he, of course, laughed out loud, right on cue. It took me six months to come back the second time. Today, I hate missing any Tuesday night. It was only his weekly persistence that got me where I am today. Thank you, Mark and Sarah, for never giving up on me. I was here week after week. It was here week after week that I heard and saw the benefits of recovery as they slowly began to change me. In 2011, I heard a sermon in church that gave me the ability to reach sobriety from all sexual addiction for the next six and a half years. I thought I, 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 thought I had beat it. I became complacent and the temptation overcame me because I neglected to work my recovery in that moment. Time out. <clears throat> First Corinthians 10:12 says, "If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall." This experience has taught me a valuable recovery lesson. If I'm not working my recovery daily, I'm working on my relapse. <clears throat> my life took a major step forward when I started my first step study. Going through the books and answering the question opened a whole new world for me. You see, getting sober for my addictions opened up a new life of freedom. I found a new person I had never known. It is for freedom that Christ came to set us free, Galatians 5.1. Uh, I have come so far and continue to grow through the tools I have learned in recovery. Don't get me wrong, I'm a sinner and I still need to pick myself up, dust myself off and keep moving forward. I continue the ongoing work on my hurts, habits and hangups. In my past, the life I led was easy because sin is easy. It's a path I thought I could do what I wanted to, when I wanted to, and get away with it. I didn't think it meant anything to anybody, but it did. First John 3, 1 says, Oh, what manner of love the Father has lavished us onto us that we would be called the children of God. That is what we are. Becoming a child of God meant leaving my old self behind and using the tools of recovery, renewing my mind, and living a healthy life for Christ. I still struggle, yet as I continue to grow and nurture my relationship with Christ, I grow stronger knowing my life is not my own, but His. Now, after several step studies, I have been reminded that I don't have the power to fix my life. I have tried that for over 59 years, and I have failed. I continue to learn that this God I'm learning to love can fix my life as I, as I surrender and work the steps of recovery. I have also gained the knowledge that if I do what is possible, God will do the impossible. He's doing for me what I could never do for myself. I still struggle being a codependent and my desire to please people, hoping to make them happy and like me. Still doesn't work, but I'm learning. I have learned and made great progress on my character defects of the times of being 
dishonest with myself and then others. I always thought I was normal with just a few issues while remaining unaware what the issues were. So I never examined myself or questioned my thoughts. I just did what I thought was right. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Proverbs 14, 12. Today, through Jesus and recovery, that little boy who would do anything to fit in has found discipline and self-control through his spirit that lives in, through his spirit that lives in me. And I no longer have the strive to often, I no longer have to strive as often for earthly affirmations because I have the affirmation of my God. And most days, that is enough. <clears throat> the fear that begins as a child no longer controls me nearly as often as it once did. I still get angry, but going to group weekly with other men, working on the same issue, calling my sponsor, having my accountability team helps me work the steps so I have made great progress. Today, I have stepped into leadership roles I would never have even considered before really considered before I came into recovery. In the past, I would never have had the courage to speak or lead a group, let alone stand right here where I'm at. My presence here tonight and the peace I have speaking is a testimony to the work of Jesus in my life. Looking back and seeing where I am today, I never would have thought it was possible for a human being to be so far out of whack and would still be stuck in that insanity if I had not done the work of the steps. Journaling my stinking thinking, being rigorously honest with myself and others, and letting go and letting God take control of my life, or take control of my out of control life. So I still go to group weekly and have now been through five step studies. Today, my favorite steps are the first three. I don't have the power to fix myself, I believe the power greater than myself can, and I've made the decision to turn my life and my will over to him. The tenth, the tenth step keeps my list short with God and people, in this, and this keeps me feeling good about myself, and given my past and my tendencies to be overly hard on myself, this is so important. Through prayer and meditation to improve my talk, the, to improve my conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for myself and the power to carry that out. The 11th step keeps me moving closer to my goal, which is closer relationship with him that produces a even, an even healthier me. Through the 12th step, I carry this message to others and practice these principles in all my affairs. Serving others with no strings attached is a great way for me to work to avoid relapse into my old addictive cycles. Early on, I began serving on the food team and helping with the offering on the weekends here at church. This led me to becoming the leader of the food team and the leader of the offering team on Sunday. This once insecure, shut down, angry little boy was now leader of the food team and the weekend offering team. This huge chain is amazing, even given who I once was. Let me pause here and go back a few years when I first started serving. There was a couple that used to serve at the door here at church and at CR, and I watched as their relationship grew, and one day they announced they were getting married. I was happy for them because they were, they were an older couple, a little older than I was. That got me thinking, I'm not too old to get married again. 
So I started looking for the right girl. Through recovery, I knew I was in the right place here at CR. If I worked to become healthier and Jesus transformed my mind, I could have a wife again. Well, needless to say, I felt incapable of picking the right woman. So I prayed and asked God that when I was ready, that he would put a woman in front of me that was right for me. As I kept the focus on becoming healthier, I put more effort into serving at CR and the church. Two years later, I met a beautiful woman. We started building a healthy relationship and a year and a half later, decided to get married. Sadly, thank you. Sadly, just as the program teaches, there's nothing that pours gasoline on the flame of our character defects like a relationship with the opposite sex. <laughs> and blended families only, only make it more difficult. <clears throat> this meant that the day we got back from our honeymoon, my anger resurfaced and would not seem to let up for the next few years. I fought it, but I simply couldn't control it. I'm addicted and I had a relapse. Romans 7.20, if I do what I do, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. I prayed all the time that God would take this anger from me, but it continued. And our home was not our home I dreamt it would be. While this turmoil was going on in our home, I was offered the leadership position I mentioned earlier. Looking back, I see how God answered my prayers for help because my anger was flowing out onto others and the food team was feeling it. Pastor Scott saw it too. One day he approached me with an offer I couldn't refuse. He came alongside me and took me through an anger program that helped me to even greater degree to see where my relapse had stemmed from. At the same time, I was going through another step study, which was confirming the fact that I had control issues in every area, including the kitchen, the offering ministry, and more importantly, at home. As I worked on these issues and learned the triggers to watch for, I learned not so much what they were, but why they were. Today, I'm back on track, realizing that relapse did not mean I lost all of my recovery. Things continued to improve at church and recovery but more importantly, I have learned how crucial the first few lines of the serenity prayer are. I'm learning to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, which is my stuff, and the wisdom to know the difference. Again, I'm still working my recovery because I am worth it. The ministry is worth it. The most of all, my marriage is worth it. Um, Thank you, Scott, for taking the time, humbling yourself as Jesus did when he washed the disciples' feet to recognize and help me in my time of need. Um, Tracy has been the wife I needed and waited for. Though through our many trials and tribulations, I believe we are moving towards the most wonderful place in our marriage that I could have ever imagined. Thank you, Tracy, for bearing with me and having the patience and the strength to keep your boundaries up and for your willingness to forgive and having faith in God so great that through it all, we would be here today. You are inspiring. I love you. <clears throat> Thank you.
To the newcomer, I say, don't be discouraged. God works all things out in his time. Keep a journal, track your life from this moment on, and you will see improvement in that you didn't even know was there. Get into a step study, work the program, because you are worth it. I'm finding that worth in myself today, and it is making a world of difference in how I see everything. To my sponsor, past and present, thank you for your willingness to, st to uh, speak into my life. It has kept my mind open to the different ways of looking at situations I would not have otherwise seen, giving me the courage and the knowledge of how to sponsor others in my recovery. I now sponsor other men. To my accountability team, thank you for listening and praying for me, my broke recovery guys, trusting me with your hurts, habits, and hangups as well. I love you guys. Um, to the men who recently have gone through workbooks with me, thank you. You know who you are. As God is my witness, my redeemer and my foundation, I could not have done any of this without him as my higher power. To him be the glory. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Randall. Appreciate you. You ready? <laughs> Tracy, why don't you come on up here? Come on up. We don't normally do this. <clears throat> Randall, how, how long have you been coming to CR? Since uh, late 2009. So it's been a while. And Trace? 2007. 2007. <laughs> Let's take a bow. This, this is a couple that's been serving here at Celebrate Recovery for many years, sharing their testimony. Uh, Tracy, giving back on the TEAM, and, and Randall, both of them serving in so many areas. They are moving back east and to be closer to family at the end of this month. And so would you join us in prayer? Lord, thank you for these, this special couple here, Lord, just giving back faithfully for so many years. Would you guide and direct a community of recovery around them as they're in a new place? Lord, thank you for the, how you've gifted each one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys will stay standing with me. We want to close by saying the serenity prayer. But those of you who are going to group, the topic question tonight is, how did you let emotions like anger fuel your addiction and codependency? And now that you're in recovery, how is it different? So for the first timers, if you can go through that door over there, second timers, you can come up front here. But if you guys will join me, we'll close with the serenity prayer, all right? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right 
if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen.